G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I want to help you understand how Christmas, as we've said before, should have more meaning this year than it ever has before. Because it's this kind of darkness into which Jesus stepped to bring us a message that we could have an overarching joy no matter what's going on. Today. 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 With Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me want to dance and sing with every single breath I breathe. I will bring this offering. You are my wonder. You with the wonder. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Hi and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. Now, most of us have Christmas memories and traditions. Pastor Jeff is about to share some of his fond family memories. One being reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, gathered around the family Christmas tree. After what's been a challenging couple of years with some dark times, This message is to remind us of the darkness that Jesus came into, to bring us joy and love no matter what's going on. So open up to Luke chapter 2 as we hear from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Vines. It's Christmas and we are all filled with great celebration and we're filled with wonder and we're filled also with an incredible amount of doubt. The journey of life is one of, if we're honest, is one of darkness. And everything that we're involved in, almost our entire life is trying to run towards some light that will bring meaning and purpose or clarity to all the darkness that's in our world. You know, one of my favorite authors, Thomas Wolfe said this, he said, the whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness is the central and inevitable feature of the human existence. He says that man is bolstered by no other knowledge save that which he can gather unto himself. He is united to no image save that which he creates himself. He is sustained and cheered and aided by no party. In other words, he has no help. He is given comfort by no creed. He has no faith in himself except of his own doing. And That faith lets him down in the most difficult parts of his life. He finishes by saying that because this is the condition of our lives, it leaves us shaken and filled with this overarching sense of despair. Another one of my favorite authors, D.H. Lawrence says, there is an isolated me that does not meet and mingle and never can. Do you hear what these two people are saying? They're saying that we are alone and we live in a kind of darkness, and it's a time of despair. And a major part of the reason is 
that no one really truly knows us. People don't know who we truly are. And we never allow people around us to really know the real us. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to help you understand how Christmas, as we've said before, should have more meaning this year than it ever has before. Because it's this kind of darkness into which Jesus stepped to bring us a message that we could have an overarching joy no matter what's going on. Now, in order to do that, can I just, can I take you back to some of your Christmas memories? I don't know what you've experienced in the past, so I can only relate and share what I've gone through. And every time Christmas comes around, I think of a certain few things. I think of my family. I think of growing up in a small home in East Tennessee where we had snow on the ground for much of the month of, of January and February. I think of, of spending time with my parents and my brothers and growing up together and celebrating Christmas. I think of my father on Christmas morning, sitting around the Christmas tree with all the family, three brothers, my mom, and pulling out Luke chapter two and reading the Christmas story. I also remember that while he was reading it, I was paying very little attention because my mind kept going back to Charlie Brown Christmas. It was one of my favorite Christmas experiences where Linus says to Charlie Brown, when Charlie Brown throws his hands up and says, what is the meaning of Christmas? Can anybody tell me what Christmas is really about? And then the light spotlight comes on Linus. He's on the stage all by himself. And he reads these words out of Luke 2. And there were shepherds leaving out in the fields by night keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then Linus walks over to Charlie Brown and he says, Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. But does that really help? What is the that that Linus is talking about? What do you mean that's what Christmas is all about? That story, just the narrative? What's really interesting is it's been a long time, but I have had dreams over the last month or so about my mother again. And it's, that's been a long while. I lost my mom when she was 61 years old. It's been a long, long time ago. And for some reason during this season, I've been thinking of my mom again. I've remembered taking walks with her in the city streets and the glistening snow coming through the streetlights. Those memories for some reason this year for the first time in a long time have all come back. And then I've been thinking about when my kids were younger they came into the world and Christmas began to be experienced in a different way. I remember sprinkling glitter all around the deck of our home to prove to my kids that Santa and the reindeer had been there. I remember convincing Delaney and Sion that Santa's favorite food was chocolate chip cookies and they needed to be warm right out of the oven. I remember the looks on their faces when they got their first bicycles and how quickly they took to riding. I didn't have to hardly teach them anything. Both of my kids, when they got on the bike, it's like they always had known what to do. But guys, I got to tell you, this Christmas is very special because I've got something special in my life this year. And it's my little granddaughter, Ada. I love her so much. When my kids were growing up and they were bullied at school or they faced something tough in life, always wanted to tell them, hey, bow your neck, grab some intestinal fortitude, get tough. I wanted to prepare them for the world. 
but that's not the same feeling that I have for my granddaughter. There's a part of me that really wants to protect her. I don't want her to suffer in any way. I want her to have every good thing. And I have all the best intentions for her in mind. How is all this connected? Somewhere along the line, in realizing the depth of my love for my granddaughter, Ada, I've started to ask the question again. Is there anybody that cares about me the way I care about her? Is there anybody that looks at me the way I look at her? There's a desire to be with her at all times, to make sure that she's okay, to protect her, to provide for her. It's there and it's strong. And I just wonder, is there anybody that feels that way about me? Is there anybody that feels that way about you? You know, I want to put something together for you because I think that this Christmas, maybe I can answer that question. Right over to my side here, I've got a pool cart. This is a golf cart. Now, this is one of those things that I promised myself I'd never get because anytime I see one of these pool carts, it reminds me of some old man playing golf and pushing his golf clubs down the fairway. Now, I'm going to use this illustration because it's going to tell you a little bit about me and why I'm so excited about what we're talking about this Christmas. When I bought this at Big Five Sporting Goods, I had to put the wheels on and I had to figure out how to put it together. Now, it's not supposed to be hard, okay? It's supposed to be easy, but you have to understand something about me. I can't put anything together. My mind doesn't work like that. Now, my son, he can look at something and just in a matter of minutes know exactly how it's supposed to go together. In fact, when he was a little boy, he would always build things with Legos, take it apart, put it back together. Or if he found some kind of electronic device in the house, he would completely take it apart and put it back together just to see how it worked. To me, I can't think of a worse thing to have to put something or assemble something together. So I get this golf cart and there's no instructions because you're supposed to be able to do it. It's that simple. And so I put it together and I put the wheels on. That wasn't the hard part, but then I noticed this wheel. If you notice this wheel is the wrong way. See, it's supposed to face the other direction because the weight of the golf bag will cause it to fall. And I kept staring at this wheel. And so I thought, well, they've sent me a golf cart that's defective or the people who put it together for big five sports didn't know what they were doing and I'm gonna have to unassemble it and put it back together. So I started trying to untighten all these little screws. I'm in the parking lot on Arrow outside my car because I found out one of the reasons I got a golf cart was because I could save $17 every time I play. If I don't take an electric cart and I walk, so I get the exercise benefit, but I also save $17 every time I play. That, that's good cause for a golf cart. So I thought, I'm gonna invest in one. So I get this thing and look how the wheel's backwards. And I start taking off all the screws and I don't have the tools because guys like me don't carry tools because we never plan on putting anything together. So I'm out there with the wrong tools trying to do this. I realize my tea time's in like 20 minutes, so I got to go. I think I'll, I'll assemble it at the golf course. So I get to the golf course. I'm out there assembling it. And finally, the assistant golf pro, he comes out and he says, Jeff, what are you doing? I said, I just can't get this thing to work. I bought this thing. And he said, Jeff, you don't need to take it apart. It's got a spring on it. You just turned it up and the wheel's on the right way. And you could tell he was laughing inside. I mean, he, it was the funniest thing he had ever seen. I didn't have enough knowledge about how things work to just pull the springs so the cart would work well. I'm sure that's gonna go around Glendora Golf Club now for the next few weeks. They're gonna talk about how Pastor Jeff was trying to take apart a golf cart that was already a properly assembled. 
Now, here's why I tell you that. I am terrible at mechanics. However, even though I can't put things together, I've had a gift from the time I was very young of putting narratives together, stories together. You know, when we were little kids, we used to read those, they had little colors on them and you would read for reading comprehension and then you would answer the questions, you'd graduate to the next color. I was always first in my class. I could read very quickly, comprehend and move on. So even though God did not gift me to be able to put a pull cart together, I was always able to look at books and narratives. I was always able to read a book and then close it and know where everything is on what page. This is what I want to share with you. I want you to comprehend how Christmas fits together, the whole story. And I sincerely believe I can give you a Christmas memory this year that will help you see the pattern of God's narrative. When I tried to put the golf cart together, I can't see the end Result, I can't see the completion. I can't see how all the parts fit together. But when it comes to reading the Bible or any book, but especially the Bible, I'm able to start in Genesis and I've always been able to have this recall where I can see a pattern that develops. And let me give you a verse out of that Christmas story that brought everything home for me and I hope it will you. It's in Matthew 1, 18 and 22. All of this took place. Now, what's all of this? All the things that we read about in Luke chapter one and two the Christmas story, the one read by Linus. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. As soon as I read that, and this was at a young age, it dawned on me what this Christmas was really all about. Why it brings so much light into all the darkness and frustrations of our lives. God came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. That tells me the Christmas story is trying to tell me that there is someone who looks at me the way I look at my granddaughter, Ada. There is someone that wants to go through every difficult season of life with me. There is someone that wants to provide for me and protect me. There's someone who has my ultimate best interest in mind. There's someone who smiles when I smile. Emmanuel. There is someone who wants to be with me through every event of my life to connect with me like no one else can because he has no limitations. Do you understand that? There is someone who knows the deepest recesses of my soul and wants to connect with me on that level, a level that no human being ever could. That's the Christmas story. You know, it, it, in a way, we have always been connected with God because we've been created in his image. However, that relationship, that closeness and feeling God in the way we were meant to feel him has been short-circuited. You know, it's like those big bulbs on that Christmas tree that I grew up with in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Those big bulbs are beautiful, but they have a current of electricity running through them. Cut off that electricity, the bulb is nothing. We have the, the current of God running through us to a degree, but it's been cut off, the Bible tells us, because you and I are sinners. And God is a holy God. And because of that, even though his current flows through us, there's still something that happens in us where we feel lonely and isolated. And the only answer, the only answer for restoring 
hope and peace and dealing with that overarching sense that we're lost and it's a dark world and we don't know what the meaning of Christmas is or any other holiday or life itself. The only way to solve that problem is to reconnect the power source. And the only way to do that, the Bible tells us, is through this little Christ child, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who died for us in order that now we have been made clean so that a holy God can come on the inside and relate to us and to walk us through every facet of life and to be felt and experienced and be provided for and protected. In the same way that I love my granddaughter with a love that I've never known before, the Bible tells me God loves me and he loves me so much that he became Emmanuel, God with us. That's why the shepherds were told in Luke 2.10, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Do you know Psalm 25.14 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And that Hebrew word means respect. Those who respect him and know his spirit is in us and upon us. He says, for those people who respect God, acknowledge his presence, know their sinners separated from him, receive the gift that Christ gave on Christmas. For those, he will make his covenant known. What is his covenant? That he will be our God and we will be his people. I know that we travel through life and we're often disheartened by losses. Everybody experiences that. I lost my mother at a young age. I lost my father just a few years later. I lost my sense of belonging, sense of home. I felt isolated in darkness. My greatest fear, at least some of my greatest fears now include losing my father-in-law or my mother-in-law or losing my wife or losing or separation from my daughter or my son. So I live with this overarching, this overarching reality of death, yes. But Emmanuel, the first Christmas, is supposed to bring me toward the light, toward beautiful music, as if it were played on a beautiful violin. And suddenly I hear the tones and the tunes of peace and joy, even in the midst of isolation and darkness. There is somebody that wants to connect with me the way I want to connect with Ada. Uh, quickly, and finally, do you know how this came together for me? When I read Matthew 2 and the visitors to the house of Jesus after he was probably at least one or two years old by the Magi. We're told in Matthew 2, 11, on coming to the house, this is, these are the Magi, these visitors that have traveled from a great distance, probably from Babylon. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now again, this is where, even though I can't put together the golf cart, my mind started churning. Why these gifts? If you go on YouTube, you'll find a thousand different theories. Yes, it is true that these are unique gifts. But my mind went back immediately to the tabernacle because the only place in the Bible where gold, frankincense, and myrrh are related together other than when the wise man gave the gifts is in the tabernacle. Gold. The Ark of the Covenant that was in the Holy of Holies, the sacred place in the, ta the tabernacle or the temple. The Ark of the Covenant was made primarily out of gold. The inner room where only those who were called could enter was inlaid with gold. Frankincense, they would burn it just outside of the Holy of Holies and it represented the prayers going up to God on our behalf. Myrrh was used to anoint the priest for acts of service. All of that's true. But the clincher, of course they brought gold. You always brought gold for a king. And this is the king of kings, lord of lords, 
who wanted to relate to us. And that's why they brought the other two gifts. I'm convinced of this because you know what frankincense and myrrh really are? They are two types of tree resin known for their healing powers. And if you study these ancient art forms of healing, you began to know that these two, frankincense and myrrh, are harvested by wounding the tree and allowing it to bleed out, to be collected and used as the ultimate healing bomb. Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to be experienced. But before he can be experienced, he has to bleed. And he has to bleed so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins as Jesus dies on the cross, so that we're made clean, so that the God who really wants to be with us at all times, who wants to be experienced by us at all times, who wants to give us everything that we ultimately need at all times, can come in now because Christ, through his sacrifice, repaired the short circuit our sin caused. And now we stand in the presence of God and we can have relationship with him. Do you know how wonderful this is when I realize there's somebody who loves me even more than I love my granddaughter, infinitely more beyond what I could ever imagine. There is someone who wants to be with me through every stage of my life and you as well. He was there when my mom died. He was there when my father died. He revealed himself to me in a very special way. And my relationship and peace and joy, they have grown because I have known this intimate God for most of my life. Can I say something? First, to those who are seeking, you, you may be listening to this message and you may think, you know, I've never experienced God like that. Can I tell you why? It might be because you've never really come into the relationship or the presence of the living God. Remember, he pursued you, but before you can be healed, you have to admit that you're a sinner and allow the blood of Jesus to forgive you. Until you do that, until you receive him as your savior, there's going to be a short circuit. It's not going to work. You're going to feel it. Even though the soul will feel its worth, you know that there's something missing. And then there are others of you who are Christ followers and you've been Christ followers for a long time, but you've never felt or experienced God this way. Do you know why? because you've never really worshiped him. Do you know what the wise men did when they came to the house? On coming to the house, Matthew 2, 11, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. There's no way you can experience God and know that he is with you, that he loves you like no other until you humble yourself and you begin to worship him. For in the worshiping of him, he makes himself known, but you can't worship him until you have humbled yourself, admitted you're a sinner, and you allow Christ to repair what is broken. And then the relationship will be complete and perfected and you will sense that God is with you through every phase of your life. Let me tell you, that's not all. I mean, it's one thing for God to be with you and his spirit to be upon you. It's another thing to just experience him in relationship. This is a God of relationship. This is what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, God is with you. This is the light that has come into the darkness of the world. And if you're experiencing it now, there will be caution. Sure, there will. There will be some fear and anxiety. It's what we have in the human experience. But ultimately... You will know that he is with you and he's walking through this whole endeavor to give you his peace and his joy and to sustain you during the most difficult seasons of life. What is the Christmas story? What is the that that Linus mentioned? That's what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. 
He will be with you if you seek him as the wise men sought him and you worship him by humbling yourself and receiving the son. You will feel and experience God in the way he was meant to be felt and experienced and it will change everything about your life. And if that's you, and you want to come to him, can I challenge you, please, and experience him and learn how to worship him and learn there is someone who's with you, who loves you beyond anything you can imagine, who is meant to be experienced in such a way, everything changes. Father, thank you for your love for us, for this Christmas story. Thank you for opening our eyes to the reality that the that is God with us. And that changes everything. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.